I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts... Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome into the Utah Man Podcast. I'm Cameron. We got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. What is up? It's good to be back. It is good to be back. It is good to be back talking some Utah football. And not be doing it over Zoom. We're in the same room, folks. I've licked Ryan's microphone (laughs) countless times. No comment. Oh, Scott, I didn't miss you at all. (laughs) I don't believe you. So as always, you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and now on Amazon. So camp has begun, but holy cow, has it been a crazy couple months for Pac-12 football and for Utah. First, right, they went to an only conference schedule, then that was scrapped, and they said no no season, maybe one in the spring. Larry Scott lost his mind. Well, that's not new. I mean, the whole reason we're in this predicament anyway is because of his poor leadership. It's It's been unbelievable to watch how how poorly he's led this conference. I mean, it's it's gone on for years and years and years, but more that comes out, this this pandemic brings so much to light on just how poorly communication is between he and the presidents. Nobody seems to know what's going on. And then you come to find out, well, we can't really do anything because California, Oregon, Washington, uh, uh, state governments are not allowing these guys to practice. And then then the governor of California California ratted him out on that one. I mean, it was just so ridiculous. One thing after another, they wasted Two and a half, almost three weeks when they came out with the testing to then the governor coming out and saying, nope, we're not standing in anybody's way. And it's just, I mean, obviously this is not, we're not going to focus overall on Larry Scott, but it has brought so much to light on how out, uh, out to lunch he is and just how bad of a job he's done as, as leading this, leading this conference. Well, and I think it shows you know, if you, if you read the articles uh, from the Oregonian about Larry Scott and what the conference is doing with their high rent in San Francisco, with his high contract compared to other P5 commissioners, it, it is a joke. And when you lay off, what was it, like 90 people from the Pac-12 network and from the conference, but yet he still takes a bonus? Yeah, that, that just shows you how out of touch he is. Yeah, that was just... So, so poor that uh, he's going to take home a, a million dollar, multi-million dollar bonus while he's laying off. Basically, the only the only thing he's done as as commissioner is start up this network and then he just lays everybody off so he can take home a little bit extra money. 
It's ridiculous. The 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 Pac-12 uh, school presidents have got to act, and they've got to act quickly. Word is he he knows he's this is this is it for him. This is his last go, and uh, I'm 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 kind of surprised. Not not really. I'm kind of surprised that that he still has his job at the, at the at the moment. I don't know how he can save it. What can he do to turn it around? Nothing. Nothing can nothing can be done to save his job. He's got to go. That's that's the bottom line. He's got to go. So they did come out with a new schedule. Uh, Utah at home against Arizona on November seventh. Really disappointed though. They're not playing in October. Winningham said they could have been ready by Halloween, even the week before. But the 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 soft Cali schools weren't quite ready. UCLA, you know, they hadn't been lifting. They hadn't been preparing Stanford, Cal. Which is a normal season for them anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, Utah opens up at home against Arizona. Then they're on the road on a Friday night UCLA home for USC on the road at ASU. December 5th, home against Oregon State for their crossover game. I think the Pac-12 really helped Utah out there. That was a surprise, actually. I was expecting a, a much tougher... Not, not that Oregon... I mean, Oregon State's getting better. That could be a tougher than we think but i was expecting maybe in oregon yeah but i th- I think the pac-12 sent a pretty clear message we're going to with only seven games available to be played best case scenario because remember and we're seeing it in the sec right now and you're seeing it in a lot of other conferences covid cases are blowing up and games are having to be postponed or maybe not even played Whereas now because we're starting so flipping late because of the situation we're in we have no room for any errors. If you if if you have to postpone a game, there's literally nowhere to make it up. There's not because they've already scheduled the the championship game. So so we we really need everything to go perfect from here on out. If it doesn't, then then we're going to be in trouble. But it looks like what they did is is they protected the top teams in the conference. In Oregon, Washington, USC, Utah. They all got. Pretty favorable crossover games. Yeah, I mean that tells you kind of where they they look at Utah. I mean, with with what we lost last year to graduation to the NFL draft, as young as we are, we're still being looked at as one of the top teams in the league. Um, not only in preseason polls, but just nationally being talked about. So it's you know obviously Utah is is arriving. They've they've kind of arrived as one of the the top tier programs in 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 the conference. Maybe that's the first perk. Uh, and then they end the season on December 12th um, against Colorado, a Friday game. And then, as Ryan said, the Pac-12 game uh, is the following week. And if the Utah does not make the Pac-12 championship game, then they'll have a crossover game that weekend. So there's the schedule. What I mean, We've kind of already been talking about it. Uh, we talked about Utah being protected. Anything else kind of stand out to you guys with it? Yes. USC is not coming here in December. It's prior to Thanksgiving, which it could be cold. And it's I'm still hoping, late, it's still late November. I'm hoping it's going to be cold. And we've seen plenty of November games where there's been snow on the ground or snowing. And, and so I'm I hope that is the case because I want those Southern California guys to to experience a cold winter's day in Salt Lake City. I, I want to see Clay Helton and the biggest parka he owns. Scott, anything stand out to you? I mean, I, I obviously, coming out of the gates, we're a little bit, uh, you know, kind of 
put your toe in the water a little bit, get it get it warm, especially with a young team, a really young defense. Arizona out of the gate right there. We're already a 14-point favorite in that game. UCLA on a Friday night, even though it's at UCLA, they are UCLA, and they probably still haven't even started practicing yet. So the first two games really are going to give the give this young team an opportunity to get going, get some legs under them, work out some kinks, get the nervousness of just, for a lot of these guys, never having played college football yet or any significant time before that, before November 21st, because USC followed up by traveling down to ASU. That's that right there. Those two weeks, that's the key to your season is if, if you lose to USC and obviously the first game out of the, out of the PAC 12 with ASU and USC, the winner of that game is in the driver's seat. So whoever wins that game, that that opponent for Utah is going to be the biggest test. But if Utah can somehow make it through that two-game stretch with two wins, I'll tell you, we're back in the driver's seat for a third straight title. I mean, and ideally, obviously, from the north side, everybody's expecting that to be be Oregon just because how they've been recruiting for the last couple of years, what they're doing. But let's not forget, they're breaking in a new quarterback. So they've got some question marks of their own. We'll see if anybody from the north can can put up a, a, a big enough competition um, to, to really be a threat to Oregon in the north. But I'll tell you what, that two-week stretch will tell our season. And uh, if we can get through it, we're going to be sitting really pretty. So I threw up a, a question on Twitter today asking where Utah, uh, where fans think Utah is going to finish in the South Division. I uh, voted on that poll. Thank you for that. Uh, before we dive into that, we got a quick message and we'll be right back at it. I got to call a quick timeout to let everyone know about a special promo with my bookie. Between the NFL, college football, and MLB playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events. You can turn your game day into a payday with my bookie. If you're the type of person who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple of parlay in a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games more exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. Don't forget about the underdogs. There's a ton of value in them. The thing I love about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship features, and player prop bets, it's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, make sure to use our promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more. Sign up today, begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. So I threw up the question on Twitter: Where would you, where do you think Utah's going to finish the season in South Division? In the media, they finished third behind USC and ASU. 
Utah fans leading the poll. What do you guys think? I I've, I I picked him to finish first. I I picked him to finish second. Um, trying to be realistic, you know. Obviously, um, if things go right, yeah, there's a very good chance they could win the division for the third straight year. But with so many question marks, a weird, really, the meat of the schedule coming in back to back weeks. If if you are not hitting on all cylinders, playing against two very good opponents, your season literally could be done in two weeks. So that that to me is a question mark. Uh, you know, I I I I'm I'm I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. Obviously, I want him. Uh, I want him to win that. Uh, win the win the title again. But I I think it's probably going to be a USC or ASU that's going to win it this year. There's a unfortunately there's a lot of unknowns on both sides of the ball this year. That I mean, yeah, we see potential and. There was a good recruiting class, and there's some good returners, uh, players returning from both sides of the ball. But there's a lot of question marks, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later in the episode. But, um, yeah, obviously I voted one because it's what I want him to finish. But realistically, it's probably not going to happen. So Utah fans voted. Right now, 56% of fans are voted in second place. That's kind of where I lean. I think uh, USC... I can I can fully get behind them being the best team uh, in in the South right now. I think ASU has a lot of questions, especially on that defensive side, and their quarterback Jaden Daniels is is he, he taking that next step? He, he's getting a lot of love nationally. I'll he, tell you and, what, and he has a lot of potential. I'm I mean his his love maybe is justified because of the potential. But that's what it is right now. Well, and, and is he hasn't really proven it on the field yet, and he so hasn't. I, if he doesn't play up to where people are, are are thinking, maybe ASU does not take that that big of a step that everyone's thinking. Well, I, I think I think that's very probable that 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 potentially happens. But I I think we need to understand. I mean, he was a true freshman last year against Utah, which is where most U fans are getting their opinion on Jaden Daniels. He threw for twenty five yards. The the our defense was lights out that day. If you remember, it was cold, it was windy, it was rainy, so it wasn't an ideal. We weren't lighting it up yeah, offensively. They tried to take out Huntley and Moss yeah, in the process. Yes, they did. Good old ASU. But I'll, t- but I'll tell you what, he did have some pretty remarkable games. When they beat Oregon uh, late in the season, he was spectacular. So he has had a number of really good games, and I think that's what you're going to get with any true freshman is somebody who has some some real high highs and some really low lows. Um, just maybe just you're just not getting that consistency. So I would expect that this year he's gonna he's gonna be a little bit more consistent. Um, they but all, they also lost a lot of production at running back too. They lost production at the wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, who's now um, with the Forty ers Um, I believe they lost their number two wideout at behind him. Obviously, um, Benjamin at the running back position. I mean, they're recruiting well, so they're going to have guys that are going to be able to fill in. But just like just like us, just like a lot of teams, a lot of inexperience. And so right out of the gates, playing USC, that's going to be a tough one for them. I expect USC to win that game, and then that USC-Utah game is really probably going to be for the conference championship. Um, or excuse me, for the division title. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I, I think USC or excuse me ASU they've got a real threat because um, they they've done a lot more with Herm at the helm. 
I think any of us thought they would. It was kind of a joke when it all started and he got hired. And he's proven a lot of people wrong, and, and he's definitely got ASU going in the right direction. But I, 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 I think... We can also see if that lasts, though. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he, he still has not been able to take them over the top, right? And Kyle Whittingham's done it for the last two years. Obviously, Clay Helton, just with his talent level at USC, you know, should be able to do it. So, yeah, I'm kind of in that... I'm in the second position, probably behind USC at the moment. Uh, final thought on ASU, though, because I know we're not an ASU podcast. I mean, Utah did go after Jaden Daniels, right? Yes. Utah went after him hard. We thought we had him. him. Yeah, yeah. They wanted him as a quarterback. Um, So I wasn't trying to slide him by any any means. Uh, I just, you know, what you said, Scott, true freshman, uh, still has a lot to learn, so we'll see if he makes that jump uh, for ASU to jump Utah in, in the standings. Any other teams, you guys, outside of those two, Anybody else you feel can threaten for the South? No. No. Not a Colorado? Colorado, <laughs> new head coach, just, you know, no. I, I, don't see, I don't see Colorado being much of a threat. I mean, last year they kind of came out of the gates pretty strong and surprised some people last year. But that faded, and then obviously they lose the coach that was doing all of that to, to Michigan State. And I, I, I'm not overly impressed with the, with the hire they made in Carl Durrell. I mean, obviously, just like Herm, that could prove to to be wrong, and he he may be able to get them going in the right direction, but but probably not in year one with a new quarterback. No, no, I, they're, they're not going to be they're not going to be a threat. And Arizona, we know what Arizona is. They're they're just a bump in the road. So I was actually surprised uh, the spreads came out today. Utah, what you said earlier, Scott. Utah's. 14-point favorite over Arizona already uh, to open up the spread. That, I mean, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I was a little surprised. I mean, that's typically what you get out of a Utah-BYU game right out of the gate. So um, jumping into conference slate and already having a 14-point um, favorite on there, it's a little surprising. But, but it, again, it goes to show what Utah has built, what Kyle Winningham has built, the reputation that they have, and and that respect is, is not just coming from locals anymore. It's coming from Vegas. It's coming nationally. Um, Utah's here to stay, and they build a program that people recognize now. Speaking of recognize, can we talk about uniforms for a minute? What do you guys think of the... The straight the leg s- pants? The slight change to uniforms. I wish there was more change, but I like the improvement. Oh, the pants. The look pants are so much better. hundred times better than that weird angle thing they had going last I wish year. they would fix the black on the sleeve. Remove the black on the sleeves. Yeah. And just, just and red just and white. Red and white. Maybe, and Well, the Utah stripe, which is obviously what they're, what they're doing, obviously has black in it. Those two, those two stripes, great. But remove the background black. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, the background black. Maybe if they even switch the red and the black on that, it won't be as bad. And they got to do something about these numbers. And I'll tell you what. They bunch up and you can't see what number it actually is. Well, Devin Lloyd, he's doing these promo shots with the new uniforms up the canyon, standing on a mountaintop, and he's not even playing a game and it's bunched up. That's poor photography. He's... (laughs) He's number zero, first Ute to ever wear zero, and and the last, and he looks like he's wearing eight because of these stupid uniforms that bunch up and the number is awful. Okay, that's just, that was not my point of this. My point is, 
if Utah wants to be recognized, do we continue to do what we've been doing with the route of Oregon-like and changing up everything week to week, different uniform combos, different color schemes, or do we stick to a red and right traditional look? I like the traditional look, but I but I think we all read when they made this announcement, they did minor changes so they could save money to have a more more opportunities to do a one-off type uniform, probably probably like the throwbacks. throwback uniforms of last year. And the throwbacks, I have no complaints with any of the throwbacks I've done to this point. I think they've, they've all come out looking really good. Obviously, last year's was just magnificent. But a red and white scheme, traditional look, st- stop with all this black. Yeah. Black, and when it black was in and when it first came out i loved it the whole blackout thing it was it was cool because it was new now it's to me it's just overdone everyone does it now. this isn't the early 2000s anymore they need to do a gray out i'm telling you (laughs) it's all gray it's time we put away the childish things it's utah is red and white there's no black Black is an accent color. It is not a main color for the university. All red, all white, or a combo of both, I'm fine with. You want to wear a black helmet? in some gray. Once a year? Great. Be my guest. Once a year. That's all you got. You listening? Seniors? One one time a year. I love the all white look with the white helmets. That's probably one of my favorite The Stormtrooper? Nah. I, I don't love it, but it's, but it's better than black. I love, honestly, I would love red outs. Every home game. I think red, all red is, it's a little different. Not everybody does it, right? You, you don't see many, many programs do one color across the board. With that being our main color, I think it looks spectacular, especially early on in the season when fans are not bundled up with purple or green coats. Then the stadium looks absolutely amazing. Now, this year, obviously, no fans in the stands, so those people are going to get a, a one-off, a year off from uh, their horrible dressing. But all you season ticket holders, you can't afford a red coat. <laughs> we need to do Operation Red Coat and get every season ticket holder, even if it's just a, like a, a like a, bl- a blanket that has a hole in the top, let's turn them into ponchos and and just just cover your green and your purple and your yellow windbreakers. Like on airplanes, there's a life jacket underneath the seat. At the stadium, there should be a red poncho underneath the seat. So if you come in the wrong color, you have something to put on. Yeah. Instead of a a cowboy corn dog. Instead of a flotation device, it's a a freaking get your button gear. Don't look like a moron. I'm sorry. I've I've just, we haven't podcasted for so long and I've got so much built up and I can't rein Scott in. I don't know what to do. We got to hit a break. Uh, when we come back, let's talk camp and the depth chart that got released. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So this past week, Camp Kyle has kicked off. And all the excitement with that, we got a pre-camp death chart. And I am shocked that they didn't name a starting quarterback on it. Oh, please. <laughs> it's or, or, or. You know what I was shocked about? That that Drew Lisk was actually being considered as a starter. When, Kyle he's Winningham not. said. He's not. The, I don't care what Kyle said. He says. was the first Kyle one on the list. he's getting reps. Kyle, I don't believe you. Well, I it's don't not believe him either. But he was the first one. When I opened it and I read it, I was like. Drew Lisk. You know what? Jalen Dixon is also your backup punt returner. He's also your backup wide receiver. Guess what? He's not even on the which, in the program which anymore. Which is hilarious, which we know he's not in the program anymore, but now it's come out that he hasn't even been with the team for the last several months. Yeah. So to have him on the roster or the depth chart was... A- which, which tells you all you need to know about this depth chart. <laughs> This nice laminated document that Cam has in his binder full of women. <laughs> let, let me just Means let the nothing. record reflect my binder is just notes on football. <laughs> Sorry, whenever I hear binder, that's where let my the, head goes. Let the record reflect. <laughs> Sorry, Judge, there's no women in my binder. <laughs> We're talking about the quarterback position. Uh Honestly, it's coming down to Jake Bentley or Cam Rising. I personally, I I think Jake Bentley kind of gets, kind of gets the the nudge just because he has that experience. He's a four year starter at South Carolina. Before I thought, well, I could see him going with Cam Rising, kind of start preparing for the future. But with this season, everyone remains their a year of eligibility. So Jake Bentley can come back for another season, it may be worth really letting the guy with most experience well, get it. it. It's, for as much experience as he had in the SEC and threw for a lot of yards, he, in my mind, he is the front runner. I don't see how you, unless he just lays an egg in camp, I, he's got he's got to be the starter. Yeah, I've, I've been I've been team rising really since we got him, quite honestly, and was disappointed that he didn't get uh, um, made eligible last year so he could be a backup. But ultimately, I think with Ludwig coming out and Kyle Whittingham, which you fans, you may need to sit down for this. We are going to be a pass-heavy team. Nope. Much that is not chagrin. You're, <laughs> We've you, seen you that don't, with Troy Taylor. You don't need to tune in differently. You're hearing it correctly. We are going to be a pass-heavy team. Do you believe it, Ryan? Do you believe it? I believe that Ludwig is truthful when he's saying he's going to play to the to the talents that he has on the field, which... Just answer the question, Judge. <laughs> which is, there's a, a plethora of talent at wide receiver and tight end. So... In order to utilize that talent, you have to throw the ball. And we lost the best player on the field last year in Zach Moss. Granted, there's probably some talent back there with Wilmore and Brumfield and some other guys, but they're not as proven as Moss is. So, yeah, I think Whittingham is going to run the ball. There's no question about that. But I think we'll probably see more throwing than we've seen under a Whittingham team. 
Well, I think even with Zach Moss, they tried to be a little 50-50, right? Uh, that was one thing I know Whittingham harped on after the game. Uh, each press conference is, is the pass-to-rush ratio, and they were about 50-50. Um, I don't see that happening this year just because, to Ryan, to your point, you don't have a Zach Moss. I don't know if but, okay, you can okay. ride a guy like you did Zach Moss last year. We, and we, in fact, I know Kyle McDonald even told me last year that in Division One football, in a, in a P5, you can't ride one running back like that. That's why Zach Moss was so special. For sure. And and you're right. We don't have we don't have a Zach Moss. But I watched I watched Moneyball the other day. Do you remember what what he what um uh, Billy Bean was trying to do in Moneyball? All of his scouts were trying to replace Jason Giambi. And he said, "We're not replacing Jason Giambi. We're replacing his production." That's what Utah's got to do. I know that was deep. That was pretty good, wasn't it? We're not we're not replacing the school leader in pretty much every statistical category from the running back position. What we need to do is by committee with Devin Brumfield, with Jordan Wilmore, with Green, with what we've got, I, I think you're gonna be able to produce the type of running back by committee production that you had with Zach Boss last year. Call me crazy. If that's the case, here's how they're going to do it. They're going to line up Covey at running back. <laughs> Covey's going to Covey's going to be the water boy. He's going to be Whittingham's assistant. He's going to do everything on the field. But 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 in all honesty, I really think you're going to you're going to see a ton of running the ball still. Kyle does not have the ability to throw the ball. No, over fifty percent. I, I don't, I don't think to, they're going to go with an air raid offense. No, I don't think it's going to be air raid e- either. But you have to take into account this shortened season. They don't have, they don't have the luxury of breaking in these new newer players in preseason games. Brumfield doesn't need to be broken in. They've got to come out but guns ablazing and put points on the board. That's why you've got so many guys. If Brumfield goes down, you're not screwed. You still got Wilmore. You also have a lot of unproven players on defense. In the past, you've been able to rely on your defense to stop the opponent. For sure. You don't have that. Or at least we don't know they have that right now. So you've got to make sure you can score. There's no doubt about it. We are going to throw the ball. But my my point is, we are not abandoning the run. We are not going to come in oh, and, no. and, and be, and be, be a that pass either. happy team. Kyle, sure, I think we're going to throw the ball more. Maybe we're going to throw the ball a little bit more on first down. We're going to get maybe even on third down. We're going to throw the ball a little bit more than maybe in the past, because you have that ability with what you have at the tight end position, with what you have at the wide route position, and these and the quarterback options. I think Jake Bentley. Going back, I mean, this was what we were originally talking about. Is he going to be the starter over Rising? Rising's the guy that can run the ball. He's got the better legs. He's got the ability to kind of be more of that dual threat. My question is, is Ludwig saying we need a dual threat? Or is he going to take the best pure passer? Which at this point, from us, fan, from the fans who are not watching the practice, we're not in Camp Kyle, it appears that Jake Bentley's the better passer at least the more polished passer at this point. So I think I think that's why Bentley wins this job is because there are they are going to want to throw the ball more, 
But I, I think the running back position is going to surprise people. I think we're going to be just as productive because a big reason is our old line's going to be better than it was last year. It better be. Zach Moss was so good that he could cover up a lot of the mistakes that that inexperienced and inconsistent offensive line produced week in and week out. You're going to have a better offensive line, which should make the job easier for Brumfield and Winfield and Green. Winfield? Will Moore and going Green. Back to the 90s in baseball. So, I, I mean, I, I, I really do. I really think you're going you're gonna to see kind of a surprise from the run game a little bit. I think you also need to look at, with Moss last year, all the defenses we played against stacked the box to stop him. He was the focal point of the offense. Everybody knew it. This year, when you don't have that dominant player in the backfield, they're probably not going to be stuff in the box to stop a runner. It's going to spread the field out, which may help the newer running backs. They're not. Because if you're able to spread the ball around to those talented tight ends and receivers, it's going to open it's going to do it's going to be reverse of what you typically see. Run the ball to open up the passing game. If you can pass the ball, it's going to open up the running game to these these players who are less experienced. And they're probably not going to be able to key on any one guy because you're going to be by committee. You're going to have multiple guys running multiple positions, um, lining up in different different formations. I, I mean, I just think it opens things up drastically. Zach Moss is in the game. It's short yardage. Everybody in the stadium knew what was going to happen. It was going to Zach Moss. Put more pressure on that offensive line because that defense sold out to stop Zach Moss. And so I really think it's going to open things up for this offense. And then you factor in just the overall talent level. I mean, honestly, when you have a minute, open up, go to utahutes.com. Look over this roster. There is so much talent on this roster. Yes, is it young? Yes, is some of it inexperienced? But there's a ton that is experienced. Well, even with losing Jalen Dixon, when we when, which we didn't know when this was released, um, which I think, I mean, it'll be a blow because he was a talented player. And uh, but the depth and wide receiver is so strong right now. And if you look, listen back to some of our episodes two or three years ago, and we would say that was the weak link in our offense was the depth of wide receiver, and that's and that's certainly turned around. Um, so yeah, it's a blow, but there's still so much talent there. Well, so now let's look at those wide receivers. Uh, so starting right now on the depth chart, you have Brian Thompson, Solomon Enos, and, and Britton Covey. Stud, stud, stud. You, we didn't even mention Samson Nakua. Well, and, and, and Samson, I mean, he's listed, uh, behind Brian Thompson, but we all know, I mean, de- depending on formations and how many wide receivers are on the field at one time, a lot of these guys are going to be intermixed and, and, and seen a ton of reps. Well, and that's what I mean. And that's why I said, like, we didn't even mention Samson Nakua because he is a, he is starter material. He is starter talent. Oh, for sure he is. And, and, and one guy who I'm, I'm really excited. I was excited to see him last year. Then he got injured and ended up redshirting. Is that Devon Bailey, big boy, six four, two o five? If you remember spring ball of what two years ago at this point, year and a half ago, he was really really good as as basically a true freshman out of high school. Um, he's got that ability. He's got that size, and so even losing a Jalen Dixon, the depth is still there. I mean. Tyrone Young-Smith, 
in his 10th year in the program. I almost think it's a typo. Is he really still on the team? <laughs> and I and the thing is, I'm excited. Like I'm excited to see him play. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, he, he's never going to get the foot on the field. <laughs> because I've seen his name on the depth chart for 10 straight years, and you never see him. Sometimes uh, it's on the defensive side of the ball. When you see his name. <laughs> I also I'll bet you next year he's on the coaching staff. <laughs> I also want to throw in the tight ends as part of this Cole Fotheringham and Brant Keithy. You know, Brant Keithy's getting a lot of a lot of love nationally. He's on the cover of magazines, on watch lists across the country. Again, you're gonna have a lot of talent on this Utah team on the outside. And depending on how Ludwig, you know, implements an offense and the different formations he has, you know, I we you know, we talked about a run or a pass offense. I really think we're going to pass the ball. Let me say that. I really think Utah's going to pass the ball a lot more this season. I'm just looking forward to that uh, fly sweep with Keithy that scored touchdown time after time. <laughs> that was that was good. I, now I, with Cubby back, he's going to be the one running that fly sweep. Dude, yeah, Cubby's going to get a lot of Vickers, a lot of the Vicker roll type uh, sweeps and... And options. And hopefully he holds onto the ball better than Vickers did. Amen. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little interested to see Covey return some punts, too. He had a little fumble, Ruski-itis. I think I would, too, after I got nailed by Washington as bad as he did. <laughs> he almost died, I think. But who who's backing him up? Because according to the depth chart, it's Jalen Dixon. I'm sure there's somebody on the team that can do that. I want to. I want to see a little Money Parks. That's who I want to see. That's another wide out to keep an eye on. Money Parks, true freshman, big time recruit out of out of the state of Texas. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna work himself into some reps this year. Um, he's he's a name to to keep an eye on on the offensive side. But but to your point, tight end. All the attention goes to Keithy, and rightfully so because he produced like a madman last year. But let's not forget, going into last year, the name the name everyone was talking about was Cole Fotheringham. Did not probably have his best year, and 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 that's probably not a fair thing to say because it wasn't as if his production just completely fell off. He just he just was not getting many balls thrown his way. Keithy was really getting everything well, thrown his way. There's such different tight ends. Fotheringham is a a typical from a body type, a typical tight end, just big and strong. And Keithy's he's built more like a wide receiver. Yeah. Well, he's he's kind of the more modern day tight end. Um but I mean even behind those two, you you have young guys in the tight end position. Uh one from Pleasant Grove, six seven, Isaac Vaha committed today. Um if if you looked at his uh his offer list. He's six seven. Six seven. Go look at his offer list. Pretty much every school in the country offers this kid, including Oregon, who's been a pain in our backside on the recruiting side. But Utah brought him in. He committed today to Utah. He'll be a, he'll be a future stud tight end. And and I like what Ludwig is doing. Is he's he's really developed that tight end position back into the offense, which was kind of non-existent prior. So it's exciting to see that. And obviously the recruits are seeing that and, and want to come be a part of it. So tons of, tons of, of talent offensively. 
Uh, before we jump into the defense, just kind of wrapping up the offense, offensive line. Uh, Scott, you you nailed it on the head. They're hopefully going to be a lot better than they were last year because of a lot more experience. And Nick Ford, you know, right now is at the left tackle. They talked about they could move him um, into guard if they need to, but for right now, he's going to stick out of the uh, at tackle. But for me, I think Nick Nick Ford honestly uh, is really the dominating force right there for the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he got a ton of experience, but really across the board, at least starter-wise, every we've got we've got starting experience in every position. Braden Daniels comes back, um, Orlando Umana, who uh, um, is getting some national recognition um, on some watch lists, Johnny Maia, and then obviously Simi Moala on the other on the other tackle position. So you're bringing back five guys who played significant reps last year. And which the offensive line of any position on the football team, having that experience, working together, knowing knowing what the guy next to you is going to be doing, how he's going to be doing it, that's absolutely huge for an offensive line that struggled last year. Yeah, it really comes down to offensive line being one unit, right? Working together. One heart, Cam. One heart, one team. All those high school cliches can't lose don't you make fun bam bam tuna can <laughs> yeah and we're, we haven't even talked about tuna can i mean he's he's right now six seven three thirty five backup to semi moala oh who's six seven three twelve so um no i mean across the board my, my question is this and and I'll, I'll throw this out to you guys to kind of see what your thoughts are but assuming let's say nick ford does not they, they want nick ford inside Who's your starting left tackle? Because right now, according to this worthless depth chart, you've got two redshirt freshmen backing up Nick Ford. I don't think they put a true freshman back in playing the left tackle position. So who slides over? Does does Moala slide over to left tackle and Bam take right tackle? Well, I think that I think that's the most logical thing. I I don't I want to point a put. Or or does Braden Daniels? Braden Daniels could he slide out to left tackle? I think it might also depend on where the focus of the offense is. If you're gonna re, if you're gonna throw the ball a lot, you need a left tackle that can protect the quarterback. Or I just keep throwing out ors. Or does Bam move over to left tackle? If if we're only if he's that, improved since then, he played last year, <laughs> that's and, exactly that's what I was the, say. the biggest question mark, right? Is is we've heard a lot about Bam for three years now. What we saw last last season didn't really translate very well at, at this level. Um, so I think Bam would need to make significant steps in this offseason uh, for him to to play and, and start at left tackle. Not saying he can't do it. You know, he dominated at the JUCO level. He's got the body for it. But it, I, to me, it's more of a mental game. Can he get to that can he get mentally there to play that position yeah and that, that's a fair point i mean ultimately i think nick ford is better inside i think if he's inside i think that's better for the offensive line the question is can he afford to be in the middle by having somebody who can get the job done at left tackle and that's what they've got to figure out here in fall camp if they can i think if nick ford is one of your guards Best case scenario, because I think I think he, he 
I think that's where he where he's best. I think that's where he'll project the best. And uh, and I and I think that would be a big thing for the for the offense in general and the run game. All right, let's jump over to the defense now. Before we get that started, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So coming in, Utah's defense has a lot of question marks because they got a lot of spots to fill. But honestly, the guy that kind of stands out above everyone else, Devin Lloyd. Scott, your breakout player of the year last year, Devin really you know, turned it on was a saving grace for that linebacking position in a lot of games. And I think Utah's going to rely heavily on him again this year. Do you guys remember when we were a little nervous when Manny... Manny Bowen? Manny Bowen left the program I was unexpectedly. Devastated. We thought, what a, what a crucial blow that was to the, to the defense. Nope. My guy, Devin Lloyd, number zero, with the, with the cool neck brace... Blew it out of the water. I wonder how Bowen's business dealings are going. Hopefully they're doing well. Um, but no, I mean, obviously, I mean, Devin Lloyd's the star of the defense. I mean, you could you could you could say Mika Tafu is obviously got got to have a say in that. Maybe even a Max Tupai. Um, but outside of that, there's going to be a lot of names for for the casual fans who maybe are not diehard. You're probably, if you're a casual fan, you're probably not listening to this podcast. But there's a lot of names that you're not going to recognize defensively for this Utah team. A lot of new names, a lot of new faces. Um, and it's going to be exciting to see what this defensive staff comes up with as far as who are the starters. Um, and and over the course of seven games, obviously a, a shortened season, what names are going to be able to stand out and make and make their presence felt in seven games? It's going to be interesting to watch. I was actually pleasantly surprised when I read this to see Max Tupai's name on the list because if I recall in spring, he was uncertain if he was returning to the football field. Yep. But I, but I think uh, by all accounts, he found that fire for uh, for football again and and he's back which is really big for Utah. Um obviously he's a guy that can produce senior year but uh but he's got some experience and so I think he'll be looked at as a leader on that defense with a ton of young defensive ends but talented defensive ends behind him um that are going to be needing to learn and and grow uh, through really Mika Tafua and Max Tupai's leadership. So I think that's going to be critical. But I, the real question mark, as Cam, as you mentioned, it's going to be in the secondary. A lot of question marks in the secondary. I mean, they're replacing every single starter from last year, right? I think the thing that I found kind of the most interesting with this, I'm a big Clark Phillips fan. One of the highest rated recruits Utah has ever seen. Oh, shocker. Let me guess. Is that your breakout player of the year? Yeah, I'll call it right now. He's my breakout player. He's only the highest recruit Utah's ever landed. 
Five ten, one hundred and ninety. Thank you for pounds. following in my footsteps, Cam. <laughs> Ryan's mad that you Ryan, stole his pick. <laughs> Ryan does it after they've already made all Pac-12 teams. <laughs> I'm doing it pre-all Pac-12 teams. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. But Clark Phillips, he, he's been getting reps at Nickelback. Uh, kind of split in time between corner and nickel. I, I kind of I, I like that move. He's an athletic kid, but still raw. He's still following young. in Gurdry's footsteps. I don't know who that is. I know who Gidry is. Oh, <laughs> oh please. Ooh. Should we should we turn back the turn back the page <laughs> of the notebook? Javelin Gurdry? Gertie? So wasn't he Gertie of, of the, the first time you talked about him? <laughs> Javelin Gertie is Cameron's <laughs> breakout he, player of the year in 2016. I think, I think, I think that mm. took me like 20 times. We were cheering for you that night. <sighs> no, you weren't. <laughs> It got to the point where it was very funny, and then it became sad. <laughs> <laughs> I hate him. You know who I'm excited to to watch is Nate Ritchie. There's been a lot of talk that he, I mean, Whittingham came out this week and said he reminds him a lot of Chase Hansen, which, which is a huge compliment. And And to be honest, I'd almost rather see him than Vontae Davis back there as strong safety. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I will give credit to Vontae Davis because he has not gotten any playing time, but he stayed with it. He hasn't transferred. He hasn't belled. To him, I give it a lot of credit for that. But it, it does make me a little nervous that he's penciled in as one of the starters at safety right now. Let's because just hope that it's the first edition of the depth chart. Yeah, that... Uh, a little surprising, but you know what? It, honestly, if if he can have a Burgess-like year, remember Burgess was drafted last year and didn't start until his senior year. So there were questions a year ago, how was Burgess going to fill that spot? Lack of experience. He came through and was an absolute stud. There's a chance Vontae Davis could be the same thing. Just been waiting for his opportunity and and uh, and and hopefully, if he's given that opportunity, he can earn it and produce. I, w- I would be thrilled for it. But there's definitely question marks. Obviously, replacing both those guys. I'm surprised R.J. Hubert is named the starter because he, he went down with an ACL tear in the championship yeah, game. Yeah, but you know who else did? Blackman. And he's starting for an NFL team right now. So R.J. Hubert. Uh, but I think with Hubert, you got two freshmen behind him yeah i mean obviously you got you got a lot of young guys i mean you got young guys wherever you look on this step chart i mean whether it's the nickelback either of the corner spots safety and and even in some cases linebacker positions so you've got tons and tons of youth but what what we need to look at right now is the type of recruit utah's been bringing in for the last four plus years these true freshmen are not true freshmen from the McBride era. I mean, these guys are highly recruited kids that had a lot of big time offers. And yes, obviously, it, you can't you can't just discount experience because that's huge. But at some point, you've got to let these kids learn, and and they're going to take some lumps, and they're going to have some moments that may not look Utah defense like. But over the course of the season. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be huge for these guys to get out there and get some experience in a shortened season. So next year, next year we can really take off. Um, 
but I mean, just just looking over uh, over the safety, R.J. Hubert, we know what he can do. Nate Ritchie, we think we know what he can do. Vontae Davis, we're not sure what he can do. Um, so safety position is going to be a be a little bit interesting for for me. That's probably the most the the biggest position that I've got the biggest concern for. I, I think for me, the biggest concern is cornerback. I mean, right now you have penciled in Bronson Boyd. He, he was a wide receiver, right? Started wide receiver at Texas Tech, transferred to Utah, was on the wide receivers, got moved over last season, I believe, uh, to the defensive side. He really didn't so get any play in yeah, time doesn't last really year. have a lot of experience um, uh, playing that position. He's penciled in as a starter right now on the, on the left cornerback. And then behind him you have Drew Rawls, his redshirt freshman, got a little playing time last year. Here, here's why I'm not overly concerned. Kyle Whittingham said to Travis Brufton is the best corner right now. He had some experience. We saw him last year. I think he's gonna he's gonna be able to come in and do a good enough job. Um, and then you either have Clark Phillips on the other side, or you've got Clark Phillips starting at the nickel. Clark Phillips is not going to look like a freshman. I will tell you that right now. The kid is the kid is gonna he's gonna look like a veteran out there. Everything that you're hearing from him, there's a reason he was committed to Ohio State. And you hear what Scally has to say about him. You hear what Shaw has to say about him and Kyle. They don't. They don't rave like that about everybody. And if you're if he's if they're talking about him, he's gonna play. Oh yeah. Well, he, yeah. He's not. He's gonna play all right. And and you're gonna see him from the get go. So that really leaves the left cornerback position as as up in the air. How many years do we have a question mark at one of the cornerbacks positions? Almost every year. Almost every year. So I'm I'm not as concerned about it because um I I think we got I think we got good talent there and I think I think that's going to su- surprise some people. My concern goes right back to that safety position. The guys over the top that can support these cornerbacks are they going to be in the right position? Are they going to be doing what they need to need to be doing to, to provide that level of support over the top for these cornerbacks. And really, I mean, if if there's a problem, they can just move Tyrone Smith back to defense. Yeah. <laughs> I think they could they could even do that on an Excel or a Word document. <laughs> They'll just move Britton Covey over there. <laughs> they may ask for your help. You you made some pretty nice spreadsheets over here. I hate him. Just a little Cam's probably got some tricks up his sleeve with Coding the Excel documents. Boom, 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 boom. Offense or defense. All right, so that will do it for this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? You can find me at Uteman underscore forever. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And what I said at the beginning of the show... You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Amazon. Until next time, go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Yay. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. I hate you guys. Okay, and we love you. And we love your trapper keeper. I don't get why I don't get why this is so funny.
I don't know because to my left we have this thing called a computer. <laughs> he acts so surprised. We do this every episode. <laughs> you are a little rusty. It's like you expected us to be mature, Cam. <laughs> I don't know, let me see your flip chart. <laughs> that's that's well done. You're like an Excel guru. <laughs> I did it, word. <laughs> well, you created a table instead of an open Excel. <laughs> now I know why he's using flip charts. <laughs> that's so much more work. He did Cal. way more work than needed be. 